Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you again for checking in with us and uh, spending time here listening to the content that we try to put out, teaching the Bible and building you up, encouraging you in the Word of God. Our aim is to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that is your aim, you are most welcome here. If it is not your goal or your aim, I hope you'll change that. (laughs) Now we're going to pick back up on our study in missiological exploration uh, as we're going through the idea of a worldview. And uh, this next session, this next next point that we're going to look at, will probably take a few podcasts, a few episodes to, to fully develop and to go through. I've got about, uh, I've written up here about 4,000 words worth of information. Um, and and uh, in, in the time frame that we're trying to do these podcasts in, um, it just won't be possible to do it in one episode. So we'll break it up over a couple of couple of episodes. And what we're going to look at today is worldview as an anthropological concept. And uh, anthropology is, um, it, it's, it's interesting if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, some people may not be, and I could understand why. But when it comes to the use of this term, of, of the idea of, of a worldview, um, the, the readings that I have done the most, I have benefited the most from the men who were anthropologists. And there's one, one man in particular uh, above the rest. Uh, he is a Christian who is also an anthropologist. And, and um, a lot of the information I have and a lot of my understanding now of the term worldview came from his writings. And he's written multiple books. His name, again, is, is Paul G. Hyber, um, H-E-I-B-E-R-T, Hybert, Hyber. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce his last name, but um, he's put out a lot of very in-depth information regarding missions from an anthropological point of view, from that perspective. And it's very interesting. And um, of course, you know, it's the study of people and and, uh, looking into the past and present and and, and future of people. It it really provides for some interesting perspective and and his depth that that he, you know, the, the level to which he went to provide good, accurate information and helpful information and to really think through 
these concepts starting in its with its historical foundation going all the way through to the modern day use i have found very beneficial and maybe you will as well and uh, I, a lot of that will be conveyed in in these podcasts and um and and but but certainly you should purchase the books and and do your own study and dive into these ideas and 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 uh really think through them and try to put together your own understanding of these things in the hopes that it will better help you be a, a, a better witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I would do a lot of reading and less talking because we got a lot to cover, and uh, I, I want to try and fit it all in in a timely manner. So worldview as a missiological concept. In the discipline of anthropology, the term worldview is closely connected with the word culture. Before the term culture was used, the ultimate aim of societies, according to anthropologists, was to be civilized. They went so far as to rank order societies in order based on their primitive or civilized status. Of course, today this would be considered hateful or bigoted. Now, we mentioned this briefly before. Doing something like this today, even in the day when, even in the time when they when they rank ordered societies in this way. Uh, it became problematic. People became too sensitive, uh, too weak-minded to be able to uh, consider that one society might be better than another. And it absolutely is. Do you want to be a woman living in Afghanistan or do you want to be a woman living in a Western country? I guarantee you, you would prefer the West because one is better than the other. And so it's not wrong to, to find an objective measure of the status of a society and then determine, is one better than the other? And one way to, to determine that is the outcome. You know, look at how, how, the, how does that country, that society function versus the way, uh, you know, versus another country or society. So, so I, I disagree with this sentiment that we're going to talk about a little bit more here in just a moment, that it's wrong to suggest that one society might, might be better than another based on performance, merit, competence. Uh, I mean, there, there are a number of, of measures that you would use to, uh, to identify that fact, but it's, it, it's a reality. And if you were given the choice, e- even, even the weak-minded, you know, liberal, progressive fools that live in our country, in America, they wouldn't leave America. They, they say they would, but they're not. They, they love socialism, but they are not moving to Venezuela. <laughs> It's not going to happen because one society is substantially better than another. Okay, you can eat dog in Venezuela or you can go to any number of restaurants in capitalist America. All right. And, and so they want to move America in that direction because somehow they've convinced themselves that their brand of socialism wouldn't do what socialism has done in every country where it has ever been implemented uh, they really think that they would have something or they would be able to do something substantially different. Um, that's what we call idiotic. Uh, but back to our study, um, eventually anthropology considered such rankings arrogant. They came to require all societies to be viewed as equally accomplished. That's, that can't, it's not possible. <laughs> Equality and equity are two just ridiculous doctrines that exist in the world today and um, the sooner they disappear, the better. Either way, thus civilized societies were no better than unaccomplished and uncivilized. To replace the system of ranking societies, the term culture was introduced. 
It became a dismissive term that possessed no judgmental qualities. It could be used to identify societal differences as nothing more than just that, different. One was not better or worse, which again is, ridic- is ridiculous. Now what we're going to see, and, 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 and I, I, I'm, for time's sake, I'm going to try to stick to the script and not talk as much um, off the cuff <laughs> because it, it, some of you wouldn't be able to handle it anyways. Um, so some, some of you are so influenced by this world, you think it's wrong to suggest that one society, one way of living might be better than another, um, it, which is ridiculous. But in the end, this move to, to the term culture ended up being a net positive overall because it, it, it forced people to look at different areas of society more objectively, and, and then you could get an, a better overall picture of that society, that culture, those people, whatever the case may be. But this idea that unaccomplished societies are as good as accomplished societies, that's just ridiculous. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, you know, we, there, there are countries, I, I've given even Ugandans a hard time uh, because they're, they can be so proud of their flesh. But what has, a, what has Uganda contributed to the world on the world stage? Absolutely nothing. If Uganda disappeared off the map tomorrow, nobody would know. <laughs> now, again, some of you hear that and you say, ah, that's so mean. It's not mean, it's reality. It doesn't mean that we don't care about them. It doesn't mean that I don't want to see that. I live in Uganda. I want to see Ugandans come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see them live a victorious Christian life. Um, I, I have, Lord willing, I have wonderful plans for Ugandans, okay, in the name of Jesus Christ. But on the world stage, what is the value of the country of Uganda? There is no value. The only reason this country has value is because Jesus Christ shed his blood to die for the souls of the people who live here. You've got to be able to look at the world in that way. You, you have to be able to be honest about the realities of what a country has produced, what they have, uh, what they have done for the world on the, on the larger stage. There is value to that, and, and there is a moral underpinning to it. The reason America is more successful in many ways, or has been, is because of, because of the, that old-school, gritty American work ethic that was directly in line with biblical principle. Um, you know, the, the more in line a society is with biblical principle, the more that society is going to flourish, the more stable that society is going to be, the safer that society is going to be, the stronger the families are going to be in that society. And the more that society moves away from the word of God and biblical principle, the more chaotic it's going to be. And, and ultimately, that's where you're going to find the value of a society. How in line is said society with biblical principle. If it, if it is closely related, I don't mean that it's Christian, but it is by practice, they, they implement what could be pointed objectively back to the word of God. And if your society does that, I can guarantee you, you live in a, a society that is flourishing or it's going to. If your society does not do that, it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be in complete disorder. It's going to be problematic. That's just the reality. That's just how it is. That's not a racist statement. It's not xenophobic. Um, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate any group of people. 
but I can look and say that society, that society is better than this society. And then if you get down to the worldview issues, you can determine why that might be. And that's our, that's our ultimate goal. Uh, so don't be scared to be honest about the successes and the failures of, of respective societies around the world. If you can't be honest about that, then how are you going to, in, 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 a, in a real way, minister to them? If you can't be honest about the problems they have culturally, and I don't mean, you know, they're not like Americans, they're not like Europeans. I, I, I could care less about that. That's not our goal. Do certain aspects of their culture, are they anti-biblical and therefore sinful? They need to be addressed. It needs to be corrected. Uh, and it starts with you ministering to, to a local church and, and building up a group of people who can then go out into that community and teach those people uh, what the Word of God is, what it says, and, and how to apply it there in their context. And that's unbelievably important, unbelievably necessary. So so the word culture was introduced, and, and it, it, it wasn't judgmental. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. One was not better or worse, they were just different. While the term helped allow for a collective definition of a society's beliefs and practices, I'm not so sure the attitude behind the term has been helpful. It's what, this is part of what led to green hair and, and piercings all over your face and gender confusion and all the other ridiculous ideologies we deal with today because people are not willing to say, this is better than that. This is honorable, that is not. This is right, this, that is wrong. Because you're not, you are not willing to say that, now every idea gets a free, gets to be heard. Every idea matters. And so you, you've got to come to a place where you say, I'm going to teach you what the Bible says, and what the Bible says is right. If you as an individual, your family, and your society will implement these things, then your society will be right. And... Everything else is pagan, unbiblical, ungodly noise that I don't want to hear. And so you, you just, you've got to be willing to be honest about these things. To pretend that one society is not better than another is delusional. But unfortunately, this level of delusion is deeply entrenched in the world's thinking. It's just where we are and how things are. And, and even some of you listening to what I have said so far, probably getting really uncomfortable. And you're getting really uncomfortable because your influence has not been the Word of God. You're, you're, you have been influenced by this, you know, tolerance garbage. And, and you think you're being kind or you think you're being uh, compassionate by allowing strange doctrines to exist. And that, that's, you're, you're mistaken. Right, now... My lack of appreciation for the undertone aside, the introduction of the term has, has had many great benefits. One could now more accurately follow societal patterns and beliefs. And that's, that's the key. That's what we're looking for. It soon became apparent that culture was an integrated system that coherently moved entire respective societies. Now, when I use the word coherent there, I don't mean that, that they're, societal norms are coherent. It may be completely incoherent, but the fact that the entire society adheres to an incoherent norm creates cohesion within the society. If that, hopefully that makes, that makes sense. Hopefully I'm, 
I'm being clear. Through culture, people mentally organize the world. Their decisions are not random, but intentional and directional. Thus, when visiting a new culture, try and step back to see why they do what they do, rather than becoming frustrated by their societal choices. Though the existence of specific patterns may be utterly incoherent to the outsider looking in, moving contrary to that societal norm could have devastating effects. There, you know, especially living in Africa, you're going to see things that just make you wonder what in the world are they thinking? And it may not be that they're thinking. The idea, the, 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 the issue is, I, I don't want to say necessarily the problem. Um, the, the issue is that as a society, as a culture, the way they are doing things, that's how they do things. And sorry for the Kamala Harris type explanation, uh, but but I, I don't know of any other way to to oversimplify it or, or it's just not popping into my head at the moment of of how to do that. Um, the, the society as a whole is moving in a certain direction. And, and, it, and I mean that in terms of decisions that individuals make, decisions that groups make. They're going to do things and you're going to see things that make you wonder, why do they do that? And how is it possible that it's the whole country or the whole society that's doing it? And, and there are better ways to do it, but they're not interested in your better way. As a, as a society, they have decided this is how we're going to address this issue, and it may be the worst way to address it. But if you try and stand against it, you're going to find yourself <laughs> you're going to find yourself in a in in, in deep water in a, in a terrible situation. And in, and so this is an area where you've got to be careful to pick and choose your battles. Um, if it's ungodly, by all means, preach against it, stand against it. If it's not ungodly, you just don't like it, it'd be, it would be better for you in a foreign society to just learn to go along with the flow. Uh, you would fare better just learning to work with the way that they do things. It, it, will, it will most certainly come out better for you. And uh, so, so this idea that you're going you're gonna to change the society, well, not without the gospel and not without the Holy Spirit, and not without the word of God, and not without showing them from the word of God that what you're trying to change is worth changing. If it's just something you don't like, even if it's an injustice in this world, if it's something that exists in this world that you consider to be unjust, well, if that's how that society has chosen to do it, you better pick and choose your battles. You're not there to be a social justice warrior. You're there to build people up in the word of God. And, and ultimately, that's what's going to change. That's what's going to bring about change. When you can get, you know, a, a small assembly rooted in the word of God, and then a second one, and then a third one, and now you've got hundreds, and then you get out to thousands of people who are influenced by the word of God, that, that's when it begins to have an effect. That's when you begin to see some sort of real change. And uh, I think possibly too many too many missionaries get caught up in in the world's vision of you know humanitarian aid and and the world's ideas of compassion and instead of sticking to biblical truth they they try to add a little biblical truth in with humanitarian aid and that won't work or it's barely going to work and again, you know, and this is another discussion, another topic for another day. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with 
offering aid to people who need it, that, that if you have the means and the ability to do that, praise the Lord, do it. But if that's your ultimate aim, because you've decided that the poor we have not always with us, <laughs> you think you're going to get rid of poverty or you think you're going to get rid of HIV in a country full of people who love to fornicate, it's not going to happen, not, not apart from the gospel. You've got to preach the gospel. You've got to get to, and our entire purpose here is to get to the root, to get to the worldview issue, which is deeper than culture. It's, it's more fundamental. It's more deeply embedded than the idea of culture. That culture moved, you know, societal understanding in a better direction or the ability to understand a, a society in a better direction. Um, it, it, it allows us now to be more objective and, and more encompassing about the realities that sway that society. But there's something even deeper than that. And, and, and that, that core issue, that's where we get to the worldview. That's where we get to what's driving the cultural issues. So you've got to choose your battles. Don't run head on with culture. Um, that, that's that's pro- something I have to keep in mind all the time. You know, the way I have lived in, in Uganda, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, uh, I've traveled all over, all over the world. And, and I, with an American mindset, I see the way other countries do things. And it's just like, <laughs> why do you do it like this? But that's how they do it. That's whatever it is. That's, that's how they as a society do it. And you're only You're going to be fighting a losing battle and you're going to be off track. You're not out preaching the gospel, spreading the word of God, building people up in the word of God. Instead, you're fighting something that really was not your place to be. To be, It's not why you came to that country, went to that country in the first place. You went there to preach the gospel. Stick to the gospel. That, that's what changes lives. That's what's going to make the, the, uh, the actual difference in people's lives. So for what that's worth. This deeply embedded underlying pattern of society is among many vital factors preventing it from plug, plunging into chaos. As long as, even if it's an incoherent habit, if the society is coherent in their participation, they, they all join in and they do things for the most part that way, it's, it's one of the only things that is preventing total chaos. Great example of that, you preach the gospel in, in a Muslim country, a, a missionary taught me how to go out and preach the gospel in Egypt. And we'd go out and we, were, we would openly preach the gospel to people on the streets and the Muslims there loved to have the conversation. They loved the, the, the back and forth and, and, and they, they would open the Quran. We would open the Bible and we would go, we would go at it. And they enjoyed that as long as nobody got saved. The moment somebody trusts in Jesus Christ, now it goes from friendly spirited conversation to somebody's got to die. And so that that's, you, you, you've got to pick your battles. Don't try to fight unnecessary battles. Uh, as much as you would like to. Um, Culture goes to the roots of society. Certain superficial patterns may change, but the cultural patterns are so deeply rooted that they last for long, long periods. Eventually, culture was replaced as a term with world outlook. This new term, anthropologists focused less on beliefs and behavior and began to look more at their utility. This was an important change in the use of the term. This is a crucial distinction 
as the outcome of belief and behavior identifies their overall significance. There is some utility to these things. What is that? Why do they do what they're doing? There, there, might, be a, there might be a very clear reason. It might turn out that though you're not comfortable with it and you're not used to doing it that way, it might be better. Usually it's not, but, but it might be. It could be. Sometimes it could be. <laughs> All right, so quickly, integrating structures. With this change, anthropologists began to understand that society's culture, uh, a society's culture was more than a collection of specific traits, but that those traits were the outworking of something more deeply embedded in each society. These deep patterns manifest as the societal traits to be seen as characteristic of the society in review. Thus, the traits must be understood in light of the deeply rooted undercurrent that produced them. In many disciplines, the relationship between a synthetic and analytical view comes into play. Such a view allowed anthropologists to separate the parts from the whole. Having the ability to do this in any intellectual endeavor is tremendously helpful, even in the Christian life. Um, approaching the Bible from a synthetic and an analytic uh, viewpoint, bo- both directions, is, is tremendously helpful. Um, w. Graham Scroggy sort of developed that idea and, and created his masterwork, The Unfolding Drama of Redemption. Um, now, until this point, societies were viewed from the perspective of their parts. This is a big change. The visible traits that were unique to them, but anthropologists began considering the whole that made up those parts, and societal understanding began to be within reach. Realistic views of human order could be objectively identified with this change. That's a, that's a big deal. That's, that's quite significant and um, worth looking into. Uh, learning how to divide something into its parts and then also view it as the whole and looking at it from, 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 from both directions is tremendously helpful. And so they began to do that. They began to look at societies in that way and, and view it from that perspective. And, and now they could, they, they could compartmentalize the society based on its parts. And then they could back up and look at the parts in, in view of the whole. And, and it made a tremendous, tremendous difference in the ability to understand societies and why they do the things that they do. And so for time, we're going to have to stop there. We've got a lot more to go through. That was about a quarter of the information that we have. So we'll, we'll try to get through this material as efficiently as possible. Um, we have a new recording system that limits me to, to about 29 minutes of record time. So um, based on that, we are, we are going to try and keep these in that time frame. I like the more long format uh, discussions and, and recordings personally, but takes a lot of money to get the equipment to be able to do that. <laughs> and so uh, we, we're thankful for what the Lord has given us and we'll use it in the capacity that it is that, that, that we are able and that we are capable. So um, I, I hope you enjoy this topic, this idea. It, it's, it's so interesting to me um, to, to get to the root of a society's perspective of the world, their outlook, their view, the, what, what is undergirding that, what is causing it, what's driving it, because it is a driving factor. It excites me. And as a missionary, if you're a pastor, a missionary, uh, if your job is dealing with people, this is incredibly important, and this information is, is incredibly helpful. And so I hope you'll 
take it to heart. I hope it'll be a blessing and a help to you. And I uh, hope you'll take it and run with it and, and dive even deeper and learn even more and, and use it to help this world in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate you coming here and listening and uh, hope it will be a help and a blessing to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.